Have you ever done something really brave? Did you ever stand up to a bully or take a stand on a controversial topic? Or, or maybe you didn't jump off of the bridge that all of your other friends jumped off. You know, the one your mom always warned you about. History remembers those who stood up for their beliefs and principles in the face of intense criticism. In fact, you don't have to think too hard about some of the people who did. Heroes like Rosa Parks or Abraham Lincoln, Mother Teresa or Mahatma Gandhi. Rightfully so, those who have truly fought for the rights of others are remembered long after they have passed away. And that is certainly the case with OLV's saintly founder, Venerable Nelson Baker. In his case, his actions in standing up for a group of people society had turned its back on ended up saving thousands of lives. In this episode of Father Baker Retold, we will dig deeper into one of the Padre of the Poor's projects that was, at the time, extremely unpopular, but oh so necessary. Let's take a look at the founding of the OLV Infant Home. Let's go back to the turn of the century. No, not the one you might remember from a few years ago, the turn of the 20th century. In the early years of the 1900s, Father Nelson Baker was in his 60s and had been a priest for about 25 years. He had served as a superintendent of the Our Lady of Victory institutions for about 20 years. The city of charity he had built to that point was vast. Hundreds of orphaned and troubled young people found sanctuary and were educated at the orphanage and protectory, while the working boys' home provided young men with a vocation and, through it, a new lease on life. To Father Baker, though, something was missing. In the early days of 1906, he heard about infant bones being dredged out of a nearby section of the Erie Canal. He also read a graphic account of infant remains clotting the sewers of another U.S. city. He was shaken. Ever a man of action, Father Baker could not sit by and allow such wanton destruction of human life. Now, to sufficiently understand the problem, we'd have to transport ourselves to a different time. Throughout the 19th century, having a child outside of marriage was considered shameful to not only the women involved, but their entire family. For those in this situation, options were very limited. They included secret babies, hastily arranged marriages, banishment, and far, far worse. The stigma of being an unmarried mother forced people to make desperate, unthinkable decisions. Haunted by thoughts such as these, Father Baker sprang into action. In 1906, he approached a like-minded Buffalonian by the name of Amelia Matheson, who donated her home at 471 Pearl Street to house those in need. That year, 10 women and 51 infants were cared for. One local paper described the home as the missing link in the chain of his institutions. Well then, the story ends there. Mission accomplished, right? Now, if you're even remotely familiar with Father Baker's story, you'll know he was not done there. As was so often the case, he dreamed a bigger dream. As outlined in Reverend Richard Gribble's authorized biography, Father of the Fatherless, Father Baker had a plan. An expanded infant home will be for children from infancy to five years of age, our orphan home from five to ten, and our protectory from ten to fifteen. Then our working boys' home will care for those over fifteen years of age, so that every class will be protected from infancy to maturity. 
Father Baker proposed the construction of a larger facility, located adjacent to the orphanage and protectory buildings. Costs for this new project were estimated at $150,000, a figure equivalent to $5 million today. While everyone around him fretted about the figure, Father Baker wasn't worried. Armed with faith in the Blessed Mother and a dedicated army of donors throughout the United States, he wrote to the members of his Our Lady of Victory Association in 1907 seeking their support. In his appeal, he drew parallels between the homeless babies in his care and the infant Jesus. Months later, he adjusted his approach, creating the Crib Donors Guild. For $25, benefactors could furnish a crib with a mattress, pillow, and bedding. Construction of the infant home building began on March 25, 1907. It was dedicated on August 16, 1908. Now, as you can imagine, caring for dozens of babies would require dozens of rules, policies, and procedures. And trust me, the infant home had them. But there was one overarching policy that stood above them all. No one is turned away. No one. This open-door policy was never far from anyone's minds. Father Baker himself mentioned it many, many times in his writings and in news articles. As a symbol of this resolute edict, the home's front door was, literally, always open. And within was a memorable object, an empty bassinet. Western New York author Boniface Haley described the scene like this. One of the striking features of the home was a small bassinet, complete with pillow and blankets, that stood in the hallway just inside the unlocked outside door. Anyone could quietly open the door to the home in the middle of the night and leave a baby in the bassinet. There were no questions asked, no forms to be filled out. For years, this bassinet remained quietly receiving abandoned infants. Word of OLV's open-door policy spread quickly, and understandably, the infant home filled up fast. In 1917, its census counted 40 women and 328 children. Ten years later, those numbers had jumped to 214 women and 439 children. But as the attendance numbers grew, so too did some people's dissatisfaction with the project. Many believed that women should have to live with the consequences of their choices, or that by absolving them of their burden of motherhood, Father Baker was actually feeding the problem of promiscuous behavior. As you can imagine, he didn't quite see eye to eye with such opinions, knowing he was doing the right thing. This is not a popular charity, but our Lord and His Blessed Mother are behind us in this work, and we are not delicate about continuing it as we feel we are saving the young ladies to their families and society and the little ones to our holy faith. Throughout his golden years, the infant home held a special place in Father Baker's heart. He was a regular presence there, visiting the babies every night, going from ward to ward, and blessing them and the religious sisters and nurses who worked tirelessly to carry out his vision there. In its day-to-day operations, Father Baker sought, as much as possible, to model a home-like environment. The pregnant women and young mothers helped prepare meals for each other and attended masses and classes during the day. The infants were cared for by the home's many nurses and the Sisters of St. Joseph. Older children attended kindergarten classes in preparation for their formal schooling, which would continue when they moved to the orphanage at the age of five. 
Father Baker described life at the infant home best when he said, Our system mingles humanity and Christianity in an ennobling manner in aiding the fallen to rise. Wow, what a simple yet profound statement. One of the most difficult aspects of the infant home's operations was its nearly constant battle with demand. Throughout its early years, there never was enough room for all the good being done there. Every available space in the building was occupied by either a mother, a child, or a staff member. And in a pinch, room was made in the other buildings on campus. Overcrowding became such a concern that somberly, Father Baker was forced to amend his once cardinal rule and restrict admissions. In April of 1929, when he had reached the age of 87, the still-dreaming Father Baker announced an improvement initiative for the home that cost about $77,000, a figure equivalent to more than $1 million today. The addition allowed for the care of 100 more children, bringing the total that could be comfortably cared for to 300. Like most of the things Father Baker built during his life, the work and mission of the infant home continued after his passing. Sister Veronica Ann Armeo was one of the many dedicated religious women who worked at the home. Assigned there in 1942 as a nursery school teacher, she talked fondly of how Father Baker's spirit lived on in the smiles of the children there. Although I arrived at the infant home after Father Baker died, his presence was always around us. Many of the older sisters would say, Father Baker would do this, or he would do that. It was reassuring that even though he was gone, the sisters were here to carry out his work with these children. Today, the infant home building, located at 790 Ridge Road in Lackawanna, New York, serves as the headquarters for OLV Human Services, the organization that serves as the direct evolution of Father Baker's programs for children and families in need. One of the largest nonprofit agencies in the region, it serves thousands of infants, children, teens, adults, and seniors through a variety of mental and behavioral health, educational, and residential programs. Looking back at the infant home and its legacy of helping the helpless that continues to this day, biographer Father Thomas Galvin sums up its impact by calling it Father Baker's most commendable achievement. If Father Baker did nothing else to entitle him to an eternal reward in the kingdom of God, this institution alone would be an unfailing passport to heaven for him. A very special thanks goes out to our guests for this episode, Mayor Annette Ayafalo, the mayor of the city of Lackawanna, and our own Monsignor David LaPuma, pastor and rector of OLV National Shrine and Basilica and president of the OLV Institutions. Both of these very special people did a wonderful job in helping us bring the story of the infant home to life. On behalf of all of those who helped put it together, thank you for listening to this episode of Father Baker Retold. It is our sincere hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned a thing or two in the process. For more information on Venerable Nelson Baker, Western New York's saintly hero, be sure to listen to our other podcasts in this series or follow Olivine Charities on social media. We are grateful for your support. 